Hey everyone, welcome. I am very excited about this episode because we talk about some things that are very near and dear to my heart, things that I've spent a lot of time thinking about. Tim has been preaching through the book of Romans and he just finished his last sermon in Romans. And in Romans 16, there's a lot of stuff in there that you might think is superfluous. It's a lot of things like greet this person and that person and send my love here and there. And and you think, what's the point of all this? And one of the points that Tim brought out of that section of scripture is the way that Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is teaching us to live together in love, in community. And so the episode today contains a very interesting discussion about the role of our cell phones and voicemail and text messages and all of that in how we live together and communicate with one another and love one another. So it's not just about our technological tools, but instead it's about relationships, how we love one another or don't love one another. And so I found this conversation very helpful. I hope you do too. In the studio today, I have Max Carell and Tim Bailey. My name is Lucas Weeks, and this is the Out of Our Minds podcast. Today, I wanted to talk about Romans 16, because Tim has been preaching through Romans, and we've hit a number of things that have been just really incredible, things i not thought about before uh, as he's been finishing up with Romans. But there's a lot in here that, you know, you, you might be tempted to read and think like, well, why is that even in there? But I, I want to start by using a, a personal example. Tim, you've been on my case for a while now about my uh, iPhone uh, voicemail greeting. And <laughs> why did it <laughs> irritate you so much? So we're talking about when, some, when, I, when somebody gives me a call and I'm not able to answer the phone or I don't answer the phone, one of the two, and they get a, you know how it is, you get a, a, the person saying something and then you have the opportunity to leave a voicemail. So my greeting to people was very irritating to Tim. And so I want to ask you, Tim, why was it so irritating? First of all, what so first of all, you're one of the people that's most dear to me in the world. I know <laughs> you. I know you inside and out. And it did not present you accurately, number one. Okay. Because I knew that you don't want to be an inconvenience to other people. Mm -hmm. I know that it's not part of your character to keep people from wasting your time. Right. That sounds bad, but you, you're a servant. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm willing to let people waste my time, basically. Well, I don't know that I'd go that far. but And your message said, uh, you know, please, I would have preferred you hadn't called me at all. <laughs> but if you have called me and I'm not able to take your call, I would prefer that you not ask me to listen to a voicemail, <laughs> but rather send me a text. Okay. But if, if you really have to if, send... If this if, is an actual emergency, please die. <laughs> yes. Please go to Pastor Max or Pastor Killing. <laughs> okay, it didn't quite say that exactly. You're paraphrasing, but that clearly that was was communicated what i said was something to the effect was text would be better but if you'd like to leave a voicemail please go ahead <laughs> if you want me to ignore your voicemail feel free to do that 
<laughs> okay, and so why was that? You know, you've said so far that it didn't present me, and I, you know, I know that you love you love me well, very much, and okay. so that it's good for the listeners to know that you love me very much. And so, but 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 why else was it bad? Well, because you go into kitchens, you go into the office, you go to the refrigerator in a home. And there are these nasty demands made by often the mother. Okay. Do not do this. Do this. Don't do that. Don't do do this. And I think we should live together in such a way that there are enough difficulties in life without us being what I would say is rude. Now, I know that part of the issue is that depending upon which generation you are, you'll see different things as rude. Right. And so I would say that young people today think that a phone call is rude. And they would think that the only reason old people actually use the phone and their voice is that old people don't understand how to text. Right, or can't, yeah, can't figure it out. And whatever. that they don't know how superior texts are. Yeah. And it is true that constantly young people think old people do what they do because they're stupid. That is the assumption of young people. That's right. And I get very tired trying to explain to young people that much of the reason that things have been done for generations the way they've been done is that they protect certain failures. They, they protect from certain failures that young people don't care to protect from. Okay, what do you mean by that? Well, like, like let's talk about chaperone dating. Ah, okay. Now, I'm using that as an illustration because I'm assuming that even young parents might have an inclination to think <laughs> that they shouldn't allow their children to reproduce the fornication that the two of them had. Mm -hmm. And so maybe young people who are parents might, you know, say, well, well, that's a point, mm -hmm. you know. Well, then let's go to the issue of the voice. The voice is a very, very intimate instrument insanely more intimate than texts, even with Apple's latest emojis. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And if you can't do in person, then the phone is a much better way of doing it than email. And so we've long had a rule at our church, you must never engage in conflict by email. Never. It's not allowed. And I discipline that as the moderator of the elders board because Email does not carry inflection, mm -hmm. volume. And so if you're going to fight, do it in such a way that you have to look in the eyes of the person that you're trying to hurt. Whereas mm -hmm. with email, you can just send it off into the ether. Although yesterday Apple announced that now you're going to be able to take your messages back. Yeah. You know, but that's still, you know, insanely inferior mm -hmm. to a phone call. But people hate phone calls today. And the reason they hate them is they really do not want to have to discipline themselves to love other people. Yeah, I think that's right. There is a demand on them. There's a demand of being loving, kind, courteous, polite, that is not, that expectation is not there with a, with a text. Why is that? I wonder. I mean, what is the demand that is being placed on them? I was thinking as you were talking, I, I wonder if it's that it's too interruptive to something. You have to engage, but that means that you have to stop something else. You know, you can't keep doing whatever you're doing 
with a text. You watch young people with their phones and they're walking along and they're texting and they're sitting in the restaurant and they're texting and they're doing this and they're texting, but they couldn't really. Well, I think all of that indicates that they really don't mind being interrupted. I mean, they're, they're yeah, but I being mean, interrupted. But is in it just perception then? Because what's the deal? It's next level in terms of intimacy. Let's be honest here. They hate to be interrupted. And love is such an interruption to entertainment. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of making a joke here. But the fact is, even in our family texts, nobody ever complains about somebody sending something out that's entertainment. But if those texts stray into anything heavy, they've broken the rule. <laughs> that's even in our family where we all love each other. And the reason is that love and relationships are hard work. Yeah. Entertainment is very easy. You can spread videos and, and pictures and cartoons about what the kids said and all that stuff. And it doesn't require anything on the part of the people that receive them and respond. Nothing. It's just, mm-hmm. ha, ha, mm-hmm. ha, 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 ha. but when you're in person, you know, it's interesting. We had the family, everybody that's in Bloomington over to our house a week and a half ago. I don't know that you were there. I think you you weren't there. But everybody else was Saturday. there. It was Saturday night. And we were sitting around. I'm not no, sure it was that's earlier when than it that. was. Okay. But we were sitting around in the living room and we were talking. And all of a sudden, one of the, uh, one of the adults in the room mm-hmm. began to walk around and show everybody in the room a video. Well, first of all, the sound was horrible because it was out of an iPhone. Yeah. Second, the only people who could be around that phone were the people who could see it. So it was a group of four, a group of six, a group of four, and there were a lot of people in the room. So as long as that was circulating in the room, it was impossible for anybody to do anything else. Mm. And so what did I do? You can probably guess, (laughs) even though you weren't there. I got up and I left. Uh-huh. Because it was obvious to me that this was not any longer a time for relationships and meaning exchange. This was now a time for entertainment where you'd have clumps here and clumps there and they'd laugh here and they'd laugh there and 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 it was interesting. I didn't say anything to anybody. I just and normally I would, you know, you know yeah, me. Yeah, sure. Normally I would say, hey. Put the phone away. Right. And we do have a rule at our in our house and in staff meetings, you are not allowed to multitask. And the reason is in staff meetings, in pastoral staff meetings, we're dealing with extremely heavy things where eye content matters, inflection matters, and I don't want and I I, I don't want anybody to have divided attention during our pastoral staff meetings. I don't care how interesting what he has to say is. Now, David often will go to scripture on his phone to find a scripture to read, and I'm always sort of assuming, as is true everywhere else, that what he's actually, I shouldn't say he, Max often does that. And I relate to his phone in those meetings as if it is a teenager at my table. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I just am so used. I remember we had one of these older elders at our home. And we had a whole table of guests at a dinner. Mm. 
And all of a sudden, in the middle of the, the dinner, he got a phone call. Hmm. And he sat at the other end of the table and took the phone yeah, call. I've experienced stuff like that before. And I looked at him and I said, John, let's say that it was, I said, John, I mean, it was so unseemly because he's yeah. older than I am and he has dignity. I said, John, please do not use your phone at this table. It was like really awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I noticed that some of my kids will use their phones in their lap thinking they're hiding it from me, but you just watch their eyes and they're not there. Yeah. And so this whole issue of how we relate to each other, we need to reclaim relationships and emotions and love. That's right. And I, the, the reason I started with my example is because something that you've taught me over the years is, well, for one, being part of the digital generation, my age and younger, we do believe we're simply superior to mm -hmm. the older generations. I mean, it's stupid, but because we know how to text and know how to use Snapchat or whatever uh, Discord tool uh, is available. Um, and that's stupid. Um, but what you've taught me is to be conscientious or to try to be conscientious and careful about how we use the tools and you know a phone is one of the tools that we have nowadays there's no getting around around these things you know it, uh, people expect you expect the pastor to have a phone you're going to have a voicemail greeting why not make the greeting something that makes people feel good about calling you rather than uh, feel like you're disciplining them and, and being irritated at them for calling you let um, me defend older people a little bit more just for a second sure Young people think that we haven't been technological. I used to be the chief information <laughs> technician for all my staff. Yeah, a CTO. CTO yeah. back at the former church, which was significantly large. I'd install the software. I'd, I'd update the operating systems. I'd decide what was purchased, and I was a senior pastor. And I did that because I knew technology better than anybody in that church, well, certainly on the pastoral staff. And I think this is an interesting point. You also, I mean, there's a kind of a guy who just likes the latest thing. I, I mm -hmm. get the sense that you understood, like a lot of people, uh, the, the the value of it, that it was going to save you time, that it was going to be, it was going to do certain things to help you. Yes, I remember. So I grew up in a home without a television. So did my wife. Mm -hmm. That was an option when the technology was televisions. Our parents did not have televisions. And because of that, it is unendingly fascinating to talk to any member of the Bailey family or the Taylor family or Ken Hansen, who started Service Master, or the Armadings, who was the president of Wheaton College. And I can keep going. The families that had no televisions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in college church were the families that had interesting parents who had something to say yeah. and weren't simply parroting what they had seen on television. It was true that we weren't able to enter into a lot of the conversations on the bus. And that is hard for kids. And that was nowadays. hard for us. But on the other hand, anybody that wanted to talk wanted to talk to us mm. because we actually had thoughts. <laughs> And we weren't repeating the inanities that the media was selling. Okay. What the other kids would do is they'd tell the latest joke with the funny thing that happened on oh, television. Yeah, it was never episode. funny. It was just boring. Now, moves forward then to coming to Bloomington. 
and I was CIS. You know, I was I was the one that was actually doing the technology. What I realized was that all of the things I cared about were moving to technology. And it mm-hmm. happened one day when I went down to UW Madison to research something, and I walked in, I'd done my undergraduate there. Well, in the interim period, when I had gone off to seminary and come back, they'd replace the card catalog with a computer. Mm-hmm. Well, I, it, it was opposed to computers. I didn't type. Mm. And this woman who was in her 70s said to me, oh, you don't type? Well, you're going to have to learn. Sit down. And she made me use the computer. I went home. I bought a typewriter. And from that point on, I determined that I would put my fingers in the right place and do all my work on a typewriter because I knew that if I didn't do that, I would not be able to continue to look for books. Hmm. Okay? Yeah. And it was just that fundamental. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Then I got a Macintosh uh, one megabyte RAM external hard drive, 20 megabytes. It was $1,200 for that external uh, 20 megabyte hard drive, Mm -hmm, (laughs) $1,200. And it weighed about 10 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Now move forward to when I was installing the operating systems and updating them and getting on the internet with Usenet Mm -hmm. and the original browsers and stuff. One day I saw your wife sitting at our computer in the kitchen and I noticed that she was using chat. She was probably 14 or something. No, no. I want to say she was nine. Oh, okay. She was very young. Okay. And she was sweet. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her using that and I said, no, Hannah, you will not do chat. Mm. You will not do it. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because I wanted her to have her attention taken up with her mother and her father and her brothers and sister. Mm. or her brother and her sisters at that time. Mm. I was jealous for the attention and the influence. And I didn't even know how to describe it. It was just I did not want her at the beck and call of of anybody outside of our home momentarily having a pseudo-relationship through typing. I didn't want that. My my question is: A lot of people are going to hear this and say, "Oh, he's just being petty or feeling oh no 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 or no. feeling uh, insecure or something like no, that." No, I wasn't insecure at all. Well, I I know you're right, but it's like nowadays, you know, the nine year old has an iPhone, and the thought that the the nine year old should be told, "No, you're not going to talk to literally anybody on the." on the face of the planet is is shocking to a lot of people. I don't know what to say. They can attribute it to me being old and crusty, and that's the conceit of youth. Well, so what I would say is I think you had an intuition. If, if, if it wasn't explicitly thought of in your mind, you had an intuition that was right. In other words... I think most people, though, think of that and they approach that in a negative way. They would say, well, no, I don't want you to be on chat because of the influence that chat could have on mm. you and might corrupt you. Right, right. But what Tim has been talking about primarily so far is the positive reality of what you build mm. by not being distracted by that. Yeah, that's very good And point. so young people today think that they have built something by having mastery over video games and memes and uh, the use of 
uh, not Facebook because that's passe. What's new now? I oh, don't know. Who knows? Instagram. Uh, Instagram. I mean. They believe that they have that they have something to say because they have the capacity to use these objects. But if you look at what they actually say on these in these places and on these forums, they literally don't have anything to say. Right. It's either a name it's, or worse than a name. Or it's worse. Yeah. 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 It is. It is the most base kind of manure that that. Well, okay. comes out of them. It's just g- disgusting half of the time. And but, if they get into conflict, back to Romans mm-hmm. and life together. Yeah, if they get any kind of conflict facing them, they haven't the slightest idea what to do. And not only that, but they don't have the emotional strength to engage in conflict right. they or feel the capacity. That a, they feel that it's an assault. That it's completely negative karma. You know, it, 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 how, how did we get to the point that we just had conflict? What a failure. Yeah. When many of the good things in life, including sanctification, never start until conflict. Mm-hmm. Sanctification doesn't start until you suffer. It doesn't start until you suffer. Yeah, we've had small groups here for years. And when we started them, the question of how they would be f- structured was on the books. And we looked at it and we said, okay, we could do like a lot of churches and have a group meet for nine months, then get off, go off for three months, and then everybody start in a new group. But what we realized right away is that that was worthless because at about nine months, people were really <laughs> starting to know each other, mm-hmm. and they were really starting to have conflict mm-hmm. and yeah. really tr- starting to have to put up mm-hmm. with this person that they, well, why do you have to say that when we talk, and why can't we, and why, do, you know? And that's when they really started to grow. That's when they really started to have relationships, uh, relationships. real relationships. Yes. And I think it, it just cannot be said often enough that what Tim, I think, was realizing at an early age with Hannah at nine years old is that she's missing out on building actual relationships. Tim was jealous for his daughter to have real relationships with real people in her life. And, and I think that that's right. Parents should, should be jealous. Well, for you that. Ha- well, you have to fight for it. Mm-hmm. And you have to, I mean, it goes along with the fact that I would not allow my children to be in their bedrooms with the door closed. Mm. Why not? I want them to be here now. Mm-hmm. This is their home. I'm their father. Mary Lee is their mother. You know, Heather and Joseph are their brother and sister and Michael. Be here now. Because what you're going to learn through is the interface spiritually and emotionally and physically with the other members of the house. Now people would say, well, what about when they change their clothes? You know, you allow the door to be, you you don't allow the door to be shut. Well, the bathroom door had to be shut. Right. And they were never allowed to go around in their underwear. I didn't allow them to move into the basement because the basement was too far away and I wanted, and when we got done eating, we would all fall on the floor before we read scripture and I would force them if I was needy emotionally at that time, I would force them to move until I could feel a nudge from their leg or their arm or their shoulder. I wanted to have contact. Mm-hmm. Now, people can be dismissive of all this, but I had this sense that what Mary Lee and I desired from our children was for our children's good. Mm-hmm. And I desired that Hannah would have her principal relationships with the members of her family or friends she had into our house. Mm-hmm. I wanted them not to be virtual. I wanted them to be real. 
Well, and nowadays, just talking amongst the pastors, we have young children who are getting, I mean, my daughter's 13, they're getting into that middle school and now into high school age. All the young kids' relationships are mediated through virtual reality. I mean, all the phones, it's like, that is that is the standard. So if TV was the standard back in your day and you were weird because you didn't have TV, mm-hmm. our kids are now weird because they don't have phones and Facebook and social media. And I, I think parents just have you to- You should describe that to people because I've been frustrated for years that I can't even talk to my grandsons because they don't have smartphones. So you should describe that. I mean, I can't get a hold. It's only lately because of his job requiring him. I can't get a hold of Josiah. And it's much worse now because it was one thing for TV. We we kept when Ben was in high school, we kept a TV in the closet, and if we wanted to see the trade towers or something, we would pull the, news, the TV the, out. The big we event, would pull yeah. it out and look at it. Yeah. And so the children, uh, the other high school students at the school Ben attended called him the Amish kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Ben had a personality yeah, where yeah. that just went right off his back. <laughs> he just laughed, you know. Oh, like, yeah, but that, not everybody. But not every child is yeah, like that. Yeah, and sure. so you realize today it's not about a TV show. Mm-hmm. It's about what Tim just said. It's about communication. It's about contact. You didn't contact your friends through the television. Mm-hmm. You're contacting people on your phone and texting. It's a whole different You know, thing. I'm a little frustrated with this conversation because as soon as I said something about how I wanted my daughter to grow up being able to look at people in the eye and to mm-hmm. talk to them, yep. I did not want her getting acclimated to chat. All right. yep, yep. Then you're like, oh no, we're going to lose our listeners. They think he's Amish. And you, you understand what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. But listen, the very fact that we've spent 20 minutes defending my decision mm-hmm. is indicative of the degree to which we have lost what scripture records in acts in romans 16 that's exactly yeah. right True. and exactly it, right. I, it it infuriates me because i have to say well i was the chief information officer <laughs> at my church i installed you have to prove software. that you're not a luddite yeah i i know technology inside and out mm-hmm. and it's like now i'm free to say i didn't let my daughter use chat mm-hmm. and i specifically didn't want hannah to use chat and the reason is that hannah had a particular innocence Mm -hmm. and they may say well were you worried about sex no 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 i was worried that i had a child who was particularly able to be influenced because she was so open Mm -hmm. to the world and she's a lot like brie you know Mm -hmm. i spent time with brie the (laughs) other day yeah and if Bree had grown up in media, doing video games, watching television, she would not be anything like what I experienced the other day when she came in and talked to me on the couch. Hmm. I could see innocence. I could see excitement. Do you realize how few of our children anymore have even the capacity to get excited about sewing with grandmother picking roses Mm -hmm, going mm -hmm. on picnics yep yep and so please don't think that because you let your kids have a smartphone that that gives them a leg up 
on the yeah. rest of the world. What it probably does is stupefy them emotionally, yep. make them incapable of deep relationships, make them in, insecure in arguments and in conflict, and make them in, incapable of leadership if they're boys. Incapable of leadership. Because leadership requires emotional intelligence. Yeah, it requires working with people. I mean, and, face to and, face. So. Yeah. Well, and knowing what's going on in their brain. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at Acts or Romans 16, yep, yep. what you see all through the chapter is that the Apostle Paul was a leader who knew his people. He mm. knew them inside and out. And he did not try to escape doing the difficult work it requires to maintain relationships and to lead the Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, we have all, we don't think about this, but we have all these guys that are planning churches whose main ability is to discern where culture is going. That's yeah. what they call contextualization today. Yeah, yeah. You know, that you're able to know that the latest haircut is this, the <laughs> latest brew is this, and it's execrable in terms of a gift of leadership, that you're able to be, uh, to have a gay aesthetic, you know, to be ahead of the game in terms mm -hmm. of knowing which way the herd's gonna go next and maybe having a little part in leading it there next, you know. That's what we expect of our pastors today. They have an entrepreneurial spirit and they have good taste. Well, and they they're, they market. I mean, that's what everybody is, is on Facebook, yes. right, is marketing. So. Uh, you know, again, I started the conversation with my voicemail message, mm -hmm. and I think my generation is de and down thinks about stuff like that and just feels very superior. You know, like uh, he even left a voicemail. How pathetic of him mm -hmm. that he left a voicemail. You know, that we we mm -hmm. would even be tempted to have that. Now, if I could pick on you for a second, Max, I think that the difference between Max and myself is that Max is not going to have any feeling of superiority about, you know, maybe not. Uh, I'm sitting here thinking about my voicemail message. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Matt, and, and trust me, there's nothing superior. In fact, it might have been recorded 20 years ago. <laughs> That's right. It might just sound like a gravel truck unloading in the yard or something. So all I know. So Max was never the chief technology officer for the church <laughs> that he worked at, right? He's, he's, he's never, like, he's just laughing over here. I'll own that. <laughs> he's not insecure about this at all, you know? So for me to point it out is no big deal. I, I just dream about not having a phone, <laughs> not having a smartphone. That's my dream. Well, but but hasn't Tim taught you things about this as well? Yeah, so yeah. And so yeah. Um, I mean, when I came here 20 years ago, Tim was the chief technology officer and Okay, the but pastor. but what I want to I don't want to just talk about technology here. I want to talk about relationships and 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 how together. we how we mediate that with letters, mm -hmm. with the way we sign off on things, the way mm -hmm. we have our voicemail the way we interact, because you know, Tim was talking recently. I it wasn't a sermon. I'm not sure where you said. Well, where, why don't we say "dear" at the beginning of the letter and then "love" at the end of the letter? And it was, but that's a way in which, yes, he says these kinds of things. It might have been in one of the sermon, one of the sermons on Romans 16. Yeah, and they're so very helpful and practical. But I, I, uh, I sent a text to somebody about an event that was happening and and i gave them a quick response <laughs> and their response was yep and then they then they texted back and they said whoops dear max yep <laughs> love 
<laughs> so the message got through. <laughs> Uh, but is that what you're meaning, Lucas, yeah, when you right. say that? Yes, well, yes, it's so, very so, helpful so to So, Tim, what, what do you think, if we could talk in terms of general principles, I mean, I do think things are different. People don't write letters very often that are physical that they post in the mail, although that, of course, does happen. And um, But if there are some general principles that you think are just important that we need to talk about, well, you go, you go to Romans 16. I mm-hmm. commend you our sister Phoebe. She is a servant of the church, which is at Centria. Receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many, and of myself as well. Now, all that is is the first two verses. Mm. And yeah. this is a letter to a church in Rome. Mm-hmm. And if you read old commentators, in other words, not somebody that would have used a computer, Mm -hmm. they will say about that, what is the usefulness of this? And then they will say, well, we would tend to pass over this, but the usefulness of this is that the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is teaching us to cultivate love and respect Mm -hmm. and intimacy in the church. And then they will talk about Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers, who, for my life, risk their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all of the churches of the Gentiles also greet the church that is in their house. Hmm. Well, we just jump right over that, but look at what is there. First, Prisca's listed ahead of her husband, and you'll find again all through church history people saying that means that Prisca was actually probably more wealthy and probably wiser and more of a leader than her husband was. Now, they won't put it quite like that, but Calvin, for instance, Matthew Henry, they will comment on it being significant. The Apostle Paul defers to Prisca. It shows his humility. It shows Apollos' humility that Apollos let Prisca teach him. Prisca and Priscilla Mm. are the same. And then fellow workers, my fellow workers. So a woman is his fellow worker. Mm -hmm. How many pastors refer to a woman in the church as their fellow worker? Do we refer to Janet Howe as our fellow worker? Do we refer to Annie Carell as our fellow worker, Jenna Killingsworth? And, And so you see, each one of these words has significance, my fellow worker. Yeah. Okay? And then he goes on and said, go ahead. Can I interrupt you for a second? I commend. Isn't that how he starts? Yeah. Yes. Okay, look, you think about just the reality of life together today as opposed to the way churches were structured 100 years ago Mm -hmm. and how you moved from place to place and, and that you needed a letter to move from one church to another. There was a time when you, in communities in England, if you moved into a community, you need a letter of introduction to actually bring you into that community so that people would say, yes, I know that person from here, and so you, I will commend them to you, hmm. right? And you think about it, it's just like nobody sends a letter. You know, I had one of the guys on staff contact my college roommate recently. I didn't write, I was thinking about this. I could have written my my roommate and said, I commend this man to you. Would you be willing to? Da, 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 da. But I didn't, I didn't make any contact. I gave 
the man on our staff the contact information and he just you know introduced himself okay to so let's let's plumb that a little bit why is that well that's because we don't make judgments about people anymore mm -hmm. and we don't make judgments about people anymore because we don't want to say anything negative but the fact is if you don't say anything negative then nothing positive can be said it's yeah. like saying if all you do is say positive things about people and all you do is talk about God's grace, the grace of God has no meaning. Mm. We never will say no anymore. And so it doesn't matter whether communication is substantive between us because we're not going to say the truth. In other words, we are a culture that is drowning in flattery and cotton candy and superficiality and an inability of recognizing that in the midst of life, we live in death, and of whom we seek for relief, but of thou, O Lord, who for our sins art justly displeased. And so my point is, we have lost the capacity to live because we deny that there is such a thing as sin and death. Nothing's at stake. There mm. is There's nothing. nothing at stake. Everything is unbearably light. And then we make that a principle and say it's the old fogies who still recognize death and burial. Is that the same thing as lacking emotional ability? Well, yeah, you're not going to be able to have emotion, emotional ability if you don't discipline yourself to listen to your parents' conversations with friends in the living room, mm. and you go and play video games when they're talking. Mm -hmm. In other words, everything that will teach people how to love God, how to die to themselves, how to be a husband who's helpful to his wife, how to be a mother who disciplines her, everything that is intended by God to teach that today has been removed by our insane, insatiable appetite for entertainment and fun. Mm. Which I think goes to the earlier discussion about the why young people look down on old people. I think that one reason old people have something to give to young people is if there's one thing old people should know, is that something is at stake. Hmm. And young people live, especially in our day, in a time when nothing is at stake in what you just said about lightness. We live in this perpetual state of lightness and nothing. And it's almost as if it's drowning out the old people or the old people have bought into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. that's what I would the say. The old people say have the vast bought into it. Of old people and so you just have, have no more weight. Oh my goodness! Than the young people do. As a matter of fact, I would say that one of the delights of children, Jesus is so tender with the children and has to defend them against the dismissiveness of his disciples regularly. Mm. And I would say one of the reasons that children are such a delight is that they're not seeking entertainment, and they see pain and they feel it. And so one of the things about children is children have not yet learned to be dismissive of what matters in life. Their parents have to teach them that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but they don't necessarily know what does matter, do they? Well, yeah, I think children do. Huh. I think if you listen to children and watch them, I think that you have to destroy their innate, intrinsic, instinctual but a child cries about, I mean, isn't it true that a child will cry about something that's not a big deal, but it is to the yes. child? Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that a child has the maturity to weigh things. Okay. But I am saying that a child has a sensitivity to the weight of things that has to be educated out of him. Hmm. 
he loses it. And so you look at the little children, and Jesus says, you know, out of the mouths of babes and infants, thou hast ordained praise. Well, what do babes and, in, and innocents know that adults have forgotten? And why have adults forgotten it? And I would say that today, a large part of it is our insatiable desire for entertainment and for the lightheartedness. We want to flop in front of the television or computer screen and and just while away the time. Mm-hmm. And so we end up being incapable of anything that has gravitas because we resent it. We don't want gravitas because it's heavy. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of gravity. It's heavy. When you say that the child knows that the, the adult has unlearned or forgotten is vulnerability. And humility. And humility. And... Both of those things are actually required if you're going to have relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think that, in fact, adults work very hard to kill off those two things and therefore do not have relationships. They end up being very lonely. And this is something that's tragic if you watch older people who are incapable, who are nearing death, but are incapable of having relationships with, for instance, their own children because they've cultivated the removal of any kind of humility or vulnerability to anybody and what they've yeah what they've cultivated is the death of love Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's intentional you can see parents intentionally harming their children emotionally Mm -hmm. and removing sensitivity removing reality removing authenticity but sometimes it's unintentional because the parents are so focused on living in a way that keeps them from being criticized by anybody, that they suppress their sins, they suppress asking forgiveness, they live in a, in a very small, say one inch above the ground and one inch below the ground. They never go deep, they never go high, they're just Well, then the child watches this and the child realizes that he must not do anything in the home that causes his parents to either have to go below the surface or above the surface. Mm-hmm. He has to keep the surface unruffled. Yep. And of course, that's what teachers want. That's why teachers can't stand boys. You know, yeah. girls are so much more easy to deal with because girls are compliant. Yeah by nature you know they don't have testosterone you know boys have <laughs> testosterone and if we can just get our mind around the fact that there is actually a hormonal chemical reason that boys are a pain in the rear <laughs> you know then maybe boys can be restored to a place of dignity along with girls who get good grades and are always trying to be sweet yeah yeah if we could go back for yeah. a minute to things that are knowing things that are at stake in the in the world we live in i mean a lot of people would argue and say well yeah we know what's at stake we know what's at stake well what's at stake is bullying of trans children mm-hmm. we we know what's at stake and then you you think about that for a second and you realize that the loss of our life together at at the level of our close circles the close place we have, what Lucas was just talking about with uh, family members, parents, the, l- the lack of our ability to have life together nearby and be responsible and realize what's at stake with this person 
has has uh, turned into us looking at everything out there. How many hours could you spend a day just listening to the talking heads talk about the most recent catastrophe that's happening in the world around us? But it has nothing to do with what's next door. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have this shooting. Well, that's old news because that was 10 days ago. Then you have this shooting. Well, that's old news. But that's all over there and that's all over here and what we've got to do. And it's all about this. And nobody is even thinking for a minute about the fact that those young men who took those guns were completely alone and had no connection in with no life. substantive connection no substantive no understanding connection. So the of, highest aspiration, of what was at stake the highest aspiration they could have is being a nihilistic shooter who dies yeah thanks so much for listening my name is lucas weeks and the conversation today was with tim bailey and max Carell. we serve as pastors at trinity reformed church in bloomington indiana for more great content, please visit warhornmedia.com. To support this podcast, you can donate at patreon.com slash out of our minds. Bye for now.